Hey everybody, it's Chad Gurley here for the Right Now at the Writer's Colony podcast, brought to you by the Writer's Colony at Dairy Hollow. One of my favorite parts about being colony coordinator at Dairy Hollow is the fact that I get to meet so many amazing, extraordinary writers and and people. Um, And that's why this podcast is such a treasure to me, because I get to dive deep with these writers and really talk about things that you can't normally do over, you know, a quick uh, walk through the office or what have you. Um, So usually I call the writers early because I don't want them to wait. And I get to hear this wonderful hold song brought to us by our conference call service. And um, most of the time it, it records when the caller or when when the writer picks up the phone. However, this week it did not. It actually recorded me waiting for a writer to get on the phone. <laughs> and I thought I would edit it out. And then I thought, you know what? During this time of pandemic and just the state of the world, it just seems like we're all kind of experiencing maybe this sense of holding, but yet we have hope that someone's going to pick up the line. Someone's going to get on the line with us. And so I will bring you a little bit of this jingle and then we will jump into the phone call. Don't worry. The call will be answered. Someone will pick up and we'll see who we can get on the line today. Enjoy. I don't know where they are I don't know why I'm still alone mm-hmm. I'm on hold Oh yes, I'm on hold I hope it's not all day Hey! Well, let me tell y'all a story about a man who was on hold all day Yes, he was Now, maybe he had the time wrong, and maybe he didn't. There's just no way for me to say. (coughs) And yes, I have seen some long hold times in my day. Yes, I have. And this was one of the worst. Now, this young man did not hang up the telephone, and you guess what happened. (laughs) Ah, yeah. That call began. That call started. So stay on hold. Gotta stay on hold Don't go away Karen? Hey, Chad, how are Hi, you? Hi, Karen Marion Goldberg. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. This is the Right Now at the Writer's Colony podcast. And just to let listeners know, just in case they've never heard this podcast before, this podcast, uh, <clears throat> we reach out to writers and um, from all genres um, um, all across the world. And so today we have you, Karen. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Chad. I love the Writer's Colony at Dairy Hollow, and I'm 
so glad to be part of this podcast. Thank you. Well, so for folks that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about you. Oh, gosh. Well, I know where to start. (laughs) (laughs) I'm calling you from my front porch looking deep into the woods um, in the country just south of Lawrence, Kansas. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York and central New Jersey, then fell in love with Kansas of all places and people here. And I'm a poet. I was the Poet Laureate of Kansas for four years. I also am what you might call genre promiscuous. I write fiction and memoir and nonfiction and songs and so on. Oh, wow. And I just, yeah, I just and love you creating also, and seeing what happens. And you do workshops, excuse me, workshops and talks and readings as well? Yes. Um, I'm also what you might call a post-institutional woman. I taught at... Goddard College for 23 years and in other academic settings for many, many years and loved that work, but really felt called to try to grow um, a field that I have helped found called transformative language arts, which is using writing, storytelling, theater, and many other arts to tell our stories and create new stories and live those stories and find meaning, healing, justice, and community. So I teach workshops, I do coaching and consulting, and every day I open my date book and see what in the world is happening now. <laughs> well, this is the perfect time for some of that that um, that kind of writing, it, it would seem, just yes, and because I hope, of the state um, of the world. And you aren't too disturbed. We have um, a loud bird yelling in the background, but they should Uh-oh, have their Oh, well, I'm too. sitting at my window, and... I um I'm hearing birds too. So if you if if listeners are hearing birds, they may be coming from both sides. <laughs> <laughs> the Arkansas Kansas bird connection, and maybe listening yeah. to your birds where they are. <laughs> right. Um. But yeah. So tell us a little bit more more about the transformative um writing language um language art. Sorry, because I really I don't know about you, but I find myself really struggling um, just, you know, with everything that's happening with COVID and just the state of the world. And it sounds like that's something that could really help people process a little bit of some of this too, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to give people background, um, I, I kind of came across this because writing saved my life. When I was a teen, I was in Um, Just a very traumatized, dysfunctional, all those big adjectives kind of home setting. And it was poetry that kept me alive because it I was curious as to what would turn up on the page. And then it was also having really good witnesses. I had a youth group director at my synagogue who was phenomenal, and I had some wonderful teachers who saw me, who really got me Mm, through my poetry and what I said about it. And that helped me so tremendously. And then when I was teaching at Goddard at first in the late 1990s, and also doing writing and healing workshops in my community, from all directions, I started realizing how the old Yiddish saying is true. If 
something is part of a narrative, we can survive it. You know, if it's part mm-hmm. of a story, we yeah. have a framework. And I realized, you know, there's music therapy and art therapy and horticulture therapy, but why not something with writing? Mm-hmm. But then it kind of grew on me that it wasn't just personal healing, but, you know, shifting our culture and building and keeping community. Mm-hmm. So I developed the first transformative language arts master's degree at Goddard College and found other like-minded, like-hearted people. And we developed the Transformative Language Arts Network, which wow. is planetwork.org. Okay. And things just organically grew. But for this time, as well as any difficult and crazy times that we're in, whether it's personal, whether it involves our community of circle or circle of friends, whether it's a worldwide pandemic or um, kind of a worldwide, we hope, reckoning with how can we move beyond racism in Mm -hmm. small baby steps and big leaps, Mm -hmm. writing can be so helpful, not to say it's a cure-all, but just putting down what we see happening, what we want to see happening, what the barriers are, and so on on paper gives us extra perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking about this quote I heard Brene Brown say in one of her podcasts. She talked about how calm, you know, just finding calm in our lives takes three things, mindfulness, perspective, and emotional regulation. Yeah, mm-hmm. that last one I really struggle with. But, you know, <laughs> writing. What is emotional regulation? Does that mean a balance oh, of emotions at all times? I think it means that you aren't so swept up with the prima donna emotions that are swinging through you that you are smashed to the ground on a regular basis. Got it. Got so it. For, yeah, yeah, I struggle with that. So for, <laughs> oh, gosh, I think we all do. Some of us more than others, maybe. But yeah. writing, you know, gives us perspective. It can give us a way to kind of find that calming, mindful center. You know, it yeah. is a spiritual practice, an emotional practice, and it can give us a way to better see, oh, these giant emotions sweeping through me aren't all of me. That's just the right. moment. And then we have a little more clarity and freedom. Right. Wow, that's great. It's amazing. Um, a, a, a t- different topic. I'm I'm wondering what it was like to be the poet laureate of Kansas. Was that? Um, was, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It was really interesting. I was appointed by then Governor Kathleen Sebelius in 2009. And then we had a new governor who I can just refer to as he who should not be named. And okay. he eliminated the entire Arts Commission. So oh, for a while, wow. Kansas was the only state without a state Arts Commission. And the Arts Commission housed the Poet Laureate Program. Mm. So I was my appointment was for two years, and then it was extended to three, and then the Arts Commission dropped away. And so I kind of carried the program in my pocket and I did fundraising and people just came out of the woodwork to help me every which way. Yeah. And we ended up putting out 
um, two or three, I can't remember during the time, anthologies that we published. Um, one's called Begin Again, and it's a collection of Kansas poems. And then we did book caravan tours all over the state, and poets would oh, wow, drive awesome. five, six hours, because you can go a long time in Kansas, still be in Kansas, yeah. <laughs> read one or two poems, but it was this incredible coming together of the community. Yeah. A really powerful way to witness and be part of how poetry can give people meaning and build friendships and connections and support. And the other thing that happened during my term is that I worked a lot with the Kansas Humanities Council. It's now called Humanities Kansas to take over the program. And they took Mm. it on. And now the program continues to really thrive. I think we're up to, I was the third poet laureate of the state. I think we're up to the seventh now, Waskar Medina. So that was some of what it was like. I would say it was a time where emotional regulation wasn't so easy. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not just, I think that people hear that and they're like, oh, great, that's a title. That's wonderful, whatever. But I don't think people realize the work that you do in that in that appointment. That's so true. It really is an activist poet title. And Ted Kuzer was on the selection committee that chose me, and he talked about how this was about people who would get out there and do things. Right. And when I met with other poets laureate, we had a, a big conference here called Poet Laureate I, and we brought in 20 Poets Laureate from all these different states, I found that's what so many other people were doing in other states. Mm. Marjorie Wentworth, who's the Poet Laureate of South Carolina, and who still was Poet Laureate when I was, has written some very powerful poems and done a lot in Charleston and other parts of South Carolina to address racial inequity and to build community. That's great. Um, are you are you working on anything right now? Uh, always working on something. I I generally work on two or three or more books at once, but I spend oh maybe six to sixteen years on each one. So that always scares my coaching clients when I tell them that. So long. How many years? Sixteen. Um, did you yeah, say I have books I've worked on for 16 years. Yeah. Wow. That could drive before they got published. <laughs> yeah. So, and the way I work is I just, I, I don't believe in writer's block. I don't think it has to be a thing for most of us. Mm. Uh, I just go where the energy is. And if I hit a wall, I tell myself, okay, Karen, you're not smart enough to figure that out now, but relax and come back to it later. And you will. And then I work oh, elsewhere. That's so healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's helped me a lot. Experiencing and a block. Now, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I am finishing a book called How Time Moves. And it's a new collection of poems. And it's bundled with a lot of poems from my previous six collections. Okay. It was going to come out by now, but we delayed it because of the pandemic. And also, if you're writing about how time moves and you're in a pandemic, suddenly you have a lot of new poems to write. Yeah. So yeah. 
yeah, that's kind of fresh and right out in my mind. And I'm getting ready to teach a really wonderful writing workshop in my not-so-humble opinion called Poetry Playhouse about the craft and passion of writing. And I just met with Kelly Hunt, who's a singer-songwriter I collaborate with, and we do Brave Voice writing and singing retreats. So part of my work is figuring out how to pandemic eyes and do that from a distance. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's really created some challenges, but it's also created opportunities as well um, for, for creativity and for expression because everybody's Absolutely. feeling a lot right now. And That's you, so, so true. Mm-hmm. And you do counseling and coaching. Do you do like private counseling and coaching or is that more of a, um, more of a broad, like your workshops? I do one-on-one coaching. I don't really do counseling per se. Okay. But sometimes oh, it, you know, it's a thin that. line. It's between consulting. Those. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I it. do consulting. Sometimes <laughs> it's very similar. And I work yeah. one-on-one with people to just kind of feel out what is it that you're trying to create and how do we help you get there? So I work with people on creativity and writing but also write livelihood. How do you make a living doing what you love? Yeah. You can find out more about Karen, by the way. It's Karen, C-A-R-Y-N, and then Miriam, M-I-R-R-I-A-M, and then Goldberg, G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G.com. So check it out. Um, Do you, you've written a lot, and you've done so much. Um, It's, it's hard for me to even know where to to keep going with to dive into. I just I wonder about if I was I'm thinking about this new book and how time and the title of it, how time moves. And I'm wondering is when you when you put out let's say a book of poetry, do the poems are they kind of under the umbrella of a kind of theme or like how time moves or is it disparate poems but they all relate in some fashion or maybe they don't maybe it's just you know because poetry can Mm -hmm. a poem can stand on its own right it doesn't necessarily even need to be Mm -hmm. in a book so how do you how does that process work well i i would say yes it's all of the above okay (laughs) go where the energy is but particularly for looking at how time moves, which I realized to my surprise I had been writing about for a long time. Really? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'll aim a poem more that direction. So, you know, sometimes I'll just have a notion because part of it is that my poems come from what I'm grappling with. And as Mm -hmm. I get older, I'm really grappling with how the heck does time move? How did this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, I was 19 and now I'm 60 and there's moments I feel all kinds of other ages. And I think we're we're so much like trees where we grow more rings as time goes yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of part of my process. But sometimes I write in my journal, sometimes I write in the computer. Sometimes or often, like right now, I'm sitting on the porch or in my bedroom or at the table or 
oh, back pre-pandemic in a coffee shop or doctor's waiting room. And I find that just leaving the ordinary ways I explain things myself to myself and diving into poetry helps me better comprehend where I am at the moment or what's mm-hmm. possible here. Mm-hmm. Getting back to the transformative language um, mm-hmm. art, when you, I, when you talk about language and then you, you know, you're also working with singers, I think, are you, is there also not only this kind of even mental or emotional um, connection to words, but is there something linguistically that, um, that inspires the poems or inspires the writing? Do you know what I mean? Am I explaining that well or not? I guess just in the sense of, well, we're like for instance, we're, we're listening to these birds and there's there's a call that is made to another bird, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has a it has a rhythm. It has a you know it has an inflection. And I wonder how that plays into because a lot of times you can read a poem, but then you hear the poet read the poem, and you're like, oh gosh, you know, because there's something um, there's something about the words themselves and the way in which we talk that I think, well, I don't know. Is that, does it, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just, if you want to riff off that for a minute, I'm sorry. I hope that's. Oh, I'd be happy to. I think yeah. part of what you're talking about is maybe rhythm and inflection and the music of the writing. And poetry to me has always seemed like something between ordinary writing and music, mm. even sometimes a little of the visual arts thrown in. There's a quote I once read from Lee Young Lee, who's such a wonderful poet, about how he feels the rhythm first, and then he finds the words. And he said the rhythm is like the power lines, and the words mm. are the birds that land on the rhythm, or land oh, on the yeah. power lines. Oh, I like that. And I feel, yeah, I love it too. I feel kind of the rhythm more in my body as I'm writing. Mm. And sometimes I'll even leave blank spaces to figure out what words go where later on. Mm. So that musical connection is so true. And sometimes you feel and discern a whole different music when you hear a poet read his or her or their own work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's organic, right? It's not absolutely like in our skin or or within our bodies, just being embodied, being human and embodied. I feel like there's a, I I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of writers uh, are not writers, but readers may think that it's Mm -hmm. about, you know, head or heart, but it's also, I think there's something about the embodiment that also goes into the Yeah, it's such an embodied process. And the more we go into our writing, the more we learn how to bring more of our whole selves, our bodies, our souls, Mm. our minds to the words. To surrender in a way to the page kind of allows more of us to show up than just the idea we had about the poem or the Mm. story or the play. So I'm often Mm -hmm. telling my 
coaching clients to both come in with what ideas they thought about what they were doing and completely let go of those ideas and listen. What mm. does the writing want to be? Mm, yeah. Wow. Oh, so profound. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going well, to I'll have to you... sign up for some, for some consulting, I guess. <laughs> Well, um, I'll get to talk to you a little bit when I come to the Writer's Colony, which I highly recommend to all listeners, even and especially during a time of COVID, because I felt safer and better protected there than anywhere else I go. I mean, we just really? yeah. land in a suite of rooms and we're taken care of and we don't have to go anywhere. It's it's a wonderful thing for a writer. Oh, well, thank you. We're so, I'm just so fortunate and honored that you you came and that you're coming back we can't wait to see you again well counting the um, days so good it's not it's soon it's coming up soon um yes yes is there any do you do you have a this is, i know that i asked someone else this and it's kind of like asking like who's your favorite child but do you have a certain poem or maybe a book or thing something that you've created that you just it just is it means everything to you, like more, maybe more than the others. Or is it really, you're just kind of like, oh, they're all just unique works of art. How could I possibly, you know, judge or even, you know, favorite? You well, know, I would say both again, because okay. on one hand, yes. You know, I start looking at anything I've put out there and I have 23 books out. So there's a lot of things to look at. and. I feel, you know, once I start reading it, I'm often surprised, like, oh, wow, this is better than I thought. Or sometimes I get cringe <laughs> and we all have that. Oh, my God, a typo got into print. But <laughs> I, I, I also feel like I particularly um, am drawn to two things right now. Miriam's Well, which is my second novel that came out, is the story of the Exodus, but set in the U.S., and it's a little like Forrest Gump meets the Red Tent. Miriam starts wandering from Brooklyn and um, ends up all over the country. And it's it's very much about American history and mythology and what does it mean to find your people, place, and purpose. Wow. And I also worked on that one like 14, 15 years. And I feel close to that book lately. And of course, I also feel very strongly about the new book, How Time Moves, because, oh my gosh, this book is going to be like 330 pages, and it's all these poems from all my other collections. Yeah. It's kind of like a guest house with most of my other poetry books moved in. <laughs> so t tell me a little bit more about Exodus. Was is, Does that take place in a um, certain time period? It takes place should have said that. That's kind of one of the key parts. It takes oh. place from the late 1950s until maybe a few years ago. And oh, wow. so Miriam keeps showing up where there's historic American events, 9-11, um, you know, as well as the AIDS crisis, you know, as well as um, the Whittier earthquake in L.A., mm. Mm -hmm. And she also shows up 
at places off the map of America. She lives on an island off Maine for a while. Of course, she has to live in Key West, which feels like another world. Um, and she is connected to the Pine Ridge um, Native American Reservation and lives out in West Texas and and in ver and in an eco village, which is also like its own world. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of somebody skirting the edges of this country, really trying to find how does she balance what she feels called to do in this world with what this world is. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm going to read of that. Of course, I should say there is, you know, Moses and there is Moses is her little brother and Aaron's her big brother. And there's a lot of biblical yeah. stuff going on in there. Oh, I love it. It's Miriam's well. Right. Yes. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've got to check that out. That sounds fascinating. Um. Well. Any any final words before we before we go? Um, do you have any um tidbits of you know inspiration or maybe uh, motivation or maybe just you know um, some if people are wanting to write, what do you have any guidance? I guess for those that well, are just beginning. What comes to me is, yeah, to recognize that, you know, this time, although it feels like, oh my gosh, we're going to be mostly having to stay home forever, we are in a unique period and it will end and change into something else. It might be, mm -hmm. you know, six months from now or a year. So this is a really good time to write about what's happening and what you're seeing. What's different? What are you realizing? For me, not traveling around and doing quite as much and driving back and forth to town and here and there, well, it's kind of really nice. You know, yeah. I feel more relaxed and like I'm better able to create. And so I encourage people to write about what they're discovering as well as ways they're finding to deal with the, the real hardships. So many people mm -hmm. are suffering tremendously health-wise yeah. and economically and just with broken hearts from what's going on around the country and world. And I also encourage writers to reach out to other writers. Mm -hmm. This can be a time when you feel especially isolated. And there's tons of material out there where you can take online classes or you can just call somebody you know who's a writer and say, hey, let's meet by Zoom or phone once a week and write for 30 minutes together. Nice, to yeah. build that community and that sense of being well witnessed in this time. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's really, and that's a big focus of Dairy Hollow is really trying to not only offer a space for writers to come and isolate and really work, um, do a residency and be uninterrupted and just be able to focus on writing, but also to kind of develop a community of writers that can support one another. Um, whether they're seasoned or beginners or, or what have you. And um, I found that to be so important with these podcasts in the sense that we just, I think that for so many of us, we've gotten so wrapped up in writing emails and texts and all this stuff. And oh, I gotta yeah. say, you know, I love hearing your voice, you know, I mean, I love oh, being able you. to hear you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's great, great advice. I appreciate that. Um, well, I yeah, and I appreciate so much your questions, and 
um, it'll be great to kind of discover more about where our dialogue takes us. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, Karen, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Um, I just want to tell listeners, this podcast is supported by listeners like you. You can find out more about the Writers' Colony at Dairy Hollow at writerscolony.org. Um, so you can go there and see what we're about and contribute, make a little donation if you'd like to. Um, so, and you can and definitely check out Karen's website as well. So, yes, so thank please, you. Uh, send some money to Dairy Hollow and long may its flags wave. And thank <laughs> you so much, Chad, and everybody at Dairy Hollow for holding this place. It's a real sanctuary and a gift for us all. Thank you, Karen. We can't wait to see you in a, a few weeks. Thank you so much, Chad. I'm really looking forward to seeing you, too. Thanks. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye. You, too. Bye-bye.